Hey there, and welcome to Truth Be Told, a theology and apologetics podcast not claiming to have all of the answers, but created to analytically look at the truth contained in the Bible and encourage critical thinking on how to apply that truth to our lives. I'm Micah Gunn, and I appreciate you listening in. No matter your level of understanding or knowledge, I sincerely hope and pray that you find these words edifying, informative, and beneficial. So let's get started. Hey everybody, and welcome to Truth Be Told. This is Mike Gunn, and I appreciate you taking the time to click on this podcast and listen in with me wherever you might be listening at. It really means a lot. Hopefully you enjoy this study today. Uh, so we are actually going to be starting something a little bit different than what I've typically done. Normally I do uh, one-off episodes of certain topics, and that's been really great, but uh, recently I was approached by a few people, and these were all different people, but they asked if I would do a study on love in the Bible, and I kind of flirted around with doing the topic. That's actually pretty funny, flirted around with it. Um, no, but I, I kind of thought, you know, I'm not, I'm not married, I'm not dating, this is uh, kind of maybe better for someone else to do. Um, just because I don't have like firsthand experience at everything there is to know about love. But I, I, the more I thought about it, the more I thought it is a biblical topic. And uh, we all should have a proper understanding of what love is and what the Bible says about it. So I thought the best way to do this would be to go through 1 Corinthians 13 uh, verses 4 through 8. And it's very famous scripture. Everybody I think knows it. But instead of using that as our kind of jumping off point, I thought it'd be really beneficial if we took this verse or this, this, these few verses and made it a series instead, because it's a list that Paul points out here. He says, love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. And then in verse 8, love never fails. So most people know this scripture, or at least know part of it. It's often read at weddings, and it's, you know, it kind of rolls off the tongue. At least the, the ending and the beginning seem to roll off of most people's tongue. But we never really sit down and look at each one of these attributes and fully grasp how love is each of those things. So love suffers long. That, I think we can look at it and we say, so when you love, you are long-suffering. And that is true. I'm not, I'm not here to dispel that by any means, but I think we could take a deeper look at each one of these things and say, it doesn't say when Micah loves, he is long-suffering. It says that love is long-suffering. And how is love long-suffering? Or how is love uh, kind? How does love not puff itself up? Things like that. I think if we look at each of these attributes of love and we take a deeper look at what they mean, I think this will be really beneficial to everybody, not just those of us who are married or those of us who are dating somebody, but we're supposed to love everybody around us, even our enemies. So... I think love is an important topic, and I I hope I do it justice, despite maybe not having all of the credentials that other people have. And this first episode is not going to be actually looking at any one of these individual characteristics of love. Instead, we're just going to be taking kind of an overview 
of certain things to understand about this scripture before we kind of jump into each individual thing. So this is a little bit of an overview. And the first thing that I want to bring out is that the love that is being talked about is agape love. So in English, we have one word for love. We might have other words that are related to it, like um, care or compassion, things like that are related to love, but they aren't the word love itself. In Greek, however, they have many words for love. And I think most people know this, but um, just in case, we'll go through a, a brief, brief overview of what these words are. There's agape love, which is typically used to describe God's love for us and, and our love for him. Uh, so it's a self-sacrificial, um, very unique kind of love. Then there's eros love, which is more romantic or sexual in nature. Then there's philia, which is often thought of as brotherly love. There's storge, which is, it, it just means love or affection, but it often means like a familial kind of love, maybe a parent to a child. There's also um, philautia, which is self-love, which can be broken down then into a self-love that has negative connotations or a self-love that has positive connotations. And then there's also xenia, which is like a hos hospitality kind of love. And that one gets talked about probably the least but it is still valid. It is still a Greek word. It does still mean uh, love. And it's it's more translated like guest friendship, but it is hospitality, generosity, courtesy shown to those who are uh, not, you know, not from around where you are, but you take them in. That's a kind of love in Greek. But these verses here specifically deal with agape love. So godly love, self-sacrificial love. And this is a love that is displayed to us by God. And when I was younger, I was led to believe that this kind of love is something that we as humans can kind of grasp at, but not fully understand, or that we can sense it, but we can't perform it. So it's unique to God alone. But since we're, you know, we're made in the image of God, there is an element of it that we can comprehend. But this isn't fully true. I, I don't want to, I don't want to say that's absolutely wrong, but it's not fully true. And the reason we can know this is in scriptures like Matthew 24, um, in verse 12, Christ is talking prophetically to his disciples. And he says that the love of many will grow cold. And the word he uses here for love is agape. So how will the love or the agape of many grow cold if it's impossible for human beings to have this to begin with? Well, I would say that it can't. It, that just can't be how it is. I think humans can have agape love. And I think we're even expected to have it to a certain extent. And we find that in verses like John 13, verse 35. It says, if you have love one for another. So this is Jesus Christ again, saying that he wants his disciples to have love for one another so that um, people can recognize us as his, but he, the word here is agape. So how can this be something that Christ wants us to have if it's humanly impossible for us to have? Again, I would say that it's not humanly impossible for us to have. In John chapter five, verses 41 to 42, Christ is talking to a large group of people who are vehemently against him. And he's kind of, um, giving himself, giving a defense of himself. 
So he had just healed a man, and the Jews didn't like that. They sought to persecute him, ridicule him, and they sought even more to kill him than they had before. But Jesus says to them, Look, John the Baptist was with you, and he spoke of my coming before I revealed myself to you. And you listened to him. You followed him into the wilderness. You you rejoiced at his words, but then suddenly I'm here, and you want to kill me. This doesn't make sense. So why would you believe John, but then not believe who John spoke of? And then he even says later, you believed Moses, but you can't have believed him because he spoke of me or Moses wrote of me. So you can't even say that you believed Moses if, you know, you're not going to believe the person that he spoke about. But within this, in verse 41, in this speech, kind of dealing with the Jewish people's unbelief in Christ, He says this in verse 41, I do not receive honor from men, but I know you that you do not have the love of God in you. Same word here, agape. You do not have agape in you. And he says it very expectantly as if he expects that they should have it in them. And so we have all these verses with Matthew 24, 12, where Christ prophetically says, love of many will grow cold, speaking of the future meaning that people in the present do have it. And then you have John 13, 35, talking about the disciples having love one for another, this agape love. And this is thought to be an instruction to the disciples then, but also Christ's disciples now. So presently, we should have this agape love. But then there's also people that Christ says, do not have this godly love. So so what is the crux of all of this? I think the crux lies in probably several verses, but I could just give you two that I think really, really sum all of this up. John 17, verse 26, Christ is praying and he says, and I have declared to them your name and will declare it that the love with which you loved me may be in them and I in them. So Christ is praying that the love between the father and the son could be extended to mankind at this point in time. Then Romans 5 verse 5 says the love of God has been poured out into us through the Spirit. So let's follow this timeline of events and I think it's really illuminating when we do this. In John 17 26, Christ prays to the Father and asks that the love with which he loved him may be in us and that he himself, Christ, might be in us. So he prays to the Father. Then what happens? He dies for us and he says himself, Greater love has no man than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. This is Christ exemplifying and showing us this agape love. But then we get to take part in that in Romans 5, 5, where the spirit is poured out on us. And through that spirit, we get to partake in the love of God, in that agape love. So this is something that is displayed to us by God, but then we're also included into through the giving of the Holy Spirit and the acceptance of Jesus Christ's sacrifice for our sins. So love can be so quaint and trite when we think about it. I think the word love has been twisted around to mean so many different things in this modern world. But honestly, this has to be the start. This agape love, this all-encompassing, self-sacrificial, godly love has to be the start of our study on love. Otherwise, we're seeing it wrong. And when I say all-encompassing, I absolutely mean that. This agape love is displayed to us by God, but it's not the only love displayed to us by God. Every single form of the Greek word for love can be kind of encompassed within agape. So 
when people read this at wedding ceremonies, it isn't misappropriated. Over time, it might become, you know, something we just kind of ritualistically go through. But with a full understanding of this verse, you cannot say that this description of agape love doesn't also include things like eros or philia or storge. For example, God is the supreme being above us that shows us love in that he loved us first. It's a kind of love that we are incapable of having apart from him. This is that agape love. But he also describes us as the bride of Christ. So we have another kind of love wrapped up in that. But wait, Jesus Christ is also our elder brother. So we have philia, this brotherly love as well. But then aren't we also God's children? So we have storge love. Even self-love comes into play when we think that God has asked us to love others as we love ourselves. So there is an appropriate self-love as well. So when we hear that love is this, that, or the other thing, we should pay attention because not only is it what God is and has shown us, God is love, but to just say those words without understanding the fullness of the implications of what's being said really does a disservice to our study on love. So yes, he is love and he's shown us love, but it's also what we are expected to be. We are supposed to put on Christ. We are supposed to be more and more like God. So a study of love isn't just a study of a feeling or an emotion. A study of love is a study of God's nature, of what is expected of us, and also what we should expect to experience from others that love us in all manner of ways, not just one. So I hope that this study sounds interesting. I'll probably... Uh, kind of scatter out all the episodes, but it will be, like I said, in a playlist at the end. But this is just the introduction. So hopefully I'll get good feedback and we'll go through each of these characteristics of love to better understand what it is God is, what he shows us, what we should be, and what we should expect from others that are trying to follow in his footsteps as well. So until next time, do your best to show true godly love to others, continue to study your Bibles, and continue to think critically about them. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. Have a great day.